Hey folks, Machine Repeat here. Welcome to episode number 27 of the Machine Repeat podcast. Uh, hey, I know how busy everyone is out there. I just want to really thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast and uh, support it through its growth here the last year. Um, our last episode, uh, boy, we got a ton of great feedback on that. And of course, uh, was really fun to talk about that 1992 John Deere 4760 tractor with only 3.6 actual original hours coming up for sale October 28th on the Spears Saskatchewan Farm Auction by our friends at Ritchie Brothers. And I tell you what, folks, on today's episode, we have another tractor we're going to talk about. And it's really amazing. I've been doing this just over 30 years now, almost 31 years. And what I'm learning is you can never say never. I mean, you talk about a tractor like that 4760, and you'll say, that's the most interesting tractor this year. Well, maybe, maybe not. If, if you follow me on social media, you saw the tractor that sold last Tuesday, uh, the first ever International Harvester 1066 1971 model. Only 2,993 actual original hours on it with a Hineker cab. This sold on day one of the three-day Jerry Everett a pre-estate online collector auction in Strawberry Point, Iowa. And we're going to visit with Kurt Amon, um, my longtime friend from the auction business, Amon Auctions, Amon Vintage Power. Kurt sold this tractor for a record price, and I'm telling you, folks, not a record by a little bit either. It was unbelievable. So we're going to have fun talking about that tractor. And then also, uh, Kurt and I are going to visit about a number of tractors he sold over the last 30 years that have just are still record prices. Some tractor stories you're not going to want to miss here, folks. And Kurt is one of the best uh, storytellers I've run across in the auction business. Just a great guy. Uh, and we'll also talk about the future of the auction business here as we've transitioned so much and so fast into these online-only auctions and really uh, the tremendous opportunity ahead uh, for the auction industry and also for sellers and buyers to embrace what's happening here. It's just been amazing. So before that conversation, let's get a word in from our sponsor, our friends at Firestone Ag. Uh, check them out, folks. Uh, we really appreciate Firestone Ag for helping make this Machinery Pete podcast episode possible. Still using bias tires? Switch your farm to premium radial farm tires from Firestone Ag this harvest season. Radial tires offer significant benefits over bias tires, from better traction and reduced soil compaction to longer tread wear and increased fuel efficiency. Just head to your local certified Firestone Ag tire dealer to learn more about which radial product is best suited for your operation. From the new Maxi Traction and Performer Evo to the Radial Deep Tread 23 Degree or Radial All Traction DT, Firestone Ag has the right radial farm tire for you. Visit FirestoneAg.com. For more details. So now let's go to my conversation with auctioneer Kurt Amon from Nokomis, Illinois with Amon Auctions and Amon Vintage Power. Hey folks, I'm very uh, happy to welcome in our guest for this episode, Kurt Amon uh, with Amon Auctions Incorporated and Amon Vintage Power. Uh, Kurt, thank you for joining us today. Well, hey, uh, super glad to be here and uh, honored to be here. You do a great job uh, with what you do, and, and uh, uh, we'll always support you. Well, Kurt, I really appreciate all your help over the years and uh, dropping me notes, keeping me posted on uh, what you guys are doing. And holy smokes, uh, I'm sure all of our listeners you know, know Kurt and Amon for the amazing auctions you've had and how you guys uh, over the years now specialize in the classic tractors and uh, on this topic, Kurt, uh, as we record this, it was two days ago, my friend, you set a record that I don't think will ever be broken. The first International 1066 that was ever made, you sold it uh, Tuesday this week on uh, the day one of the, the three-day Jerry Everett pre-estate online collector auction, Strawberry Point, Iowa, $86,100, Kurt. That was that was unbelievable. Well, it uh, it, it was it uh, it certainly shocked me. I mean, uh, you know, every uh, most every collector 
they, they like that serial number one. It just adds, a, you know, it just adds an extra special sauce to the tractor, you know. Right. And, uh, and, and of course, they're, they're very difficult to find. A lot of, a lot of serial number ones, the, uh, the company kept or, uh, you know, they were used as an experimental and, and, and they never really made it out into the public. But uh, uh, the 1066 uh, that Jerry Everett found, uh, he, uh, he, he, uh, you know, it was quite a, it was quite a, quite a find whenever he found it. It was just on a local farm sale. Yeah. Now beyond being just the, the, the fact, historical fact, it was the first one made. Didn't it only have like 2,993 original hours on it? Yeah. Yeah. And what helped with that is, you know, when Jerry found it, it was in the, uh, I believe it was in the late eighties. You know, so in, in the late 80s, that really wasn't that old of a tractor. Right. And uh, so it hadn't had time to accumulate the hours, and, and uh, Jerry had enough foresight, recognizing that it was number one, that uh, he actually took it into his uh, shop. He ran a tractor repair and parts business and, and uh, parked it in his shop right across from his counter. And so the thing really got retired. Mm. And so it, didn't, it never had a chance to accumulate the hours. And he bought that thing in the late eighties. Uh, late late eighties, early nineties. It was right around in there. Wow. He, uh, he he actually had the he still has the original uh, sale bill uh, where it was on the auction. Yeah, I saw that that picture you posted. And of course, Amon Auctions, Amon Vintage Power with pictures on upcoming auctions. You guys are just so good. You post tons of great pictures. I saw that original sale bill. I think that what was it like December first week of December nineteen seventy one. The guy bought it and traded in his, what did he trade in, an 806 diesel or something like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, that is cool. Now, a, a tractor like that, and you've been selling, you know, these unique tractors for so long. Kurt, did you have an I? I mean, what were you hoping for going in on, on that first 1066? Well, you know, uh, a 1066 is such an iconic tractor to an IH collector. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it was, it was, you know, it was the first really new 100% new design for IH. And, right. and so every, you know, 1066 is very desirable. Uh, we've sold serial number one tractors before that, you know, they, they just really didn't, they, they just really didn't cause a lot of uh, excitement. You know, it was mm-hmm. a, an A farm all or something like that, but, but this one obviously did, and, and we didn't have any idea what the expectation for it would be. Uh, you know, had it not been serial number one, I, I still think the tractor would have been, you know, 25000 just right. because of the condition that it was in. So, uh, you know, we've got a $25,000 tractor and a $60,000 tag. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, uh, Jerry, obviously a legend in the equipment business, I don't know if you can relay. I mean, it's totally fine if you can't. But I mean, what was his reaction? The one that sold for it got up to eighty six thousand one hundred bucks there. Well, it was it was kind of funny. Uh, you know, I called him whenever uh, I think whenever it broke uh, maybe seventy thousand. Yep. Because uh, this was an online auction, of course, and, right. and so I called him to check in with him, and, and uh, he was actually at the bowling alley in Strawberry Point, Iowa, because they had better internet there than he had at home. And he and a bunch <laughs> of friends, he and a bunch of friends were at the bowling alley watching the auction go off, and uh, it sounded like quite a celebration. <laughs> <laughs> now, I wish I could have been at that bowling alley. That oh man, that's beautiful. Yeah, you, you and me both. I think there were oh. probably several pictures going around. <laughs> yeah, I think more than a few pictures. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, well, again, that was amazing. Um, and thank you for the heads up on it. I, I think, wasn't it like a week out, the online bid was already over 50? Am I remembering that right, Kurt? Yeah, yeah, it, it was. And, and, uh, in fact, when I called, uh, uh, I, I called Jerry, you know, maybe about a week out and, and you had, uh, you know, you were gracious enough to, uh, send it out to all your followers and, and I believe it was at fifty-four thousand. And and I, you know, I got to tell you, Jerry said, "Well, I made the big time. I'm, I'm on machine repeat site." <laughs> <laughs> well, he made the big time working with you, my friend. That's uh, that's two two legends in the business getting together, and, and not surprising you got this result: eighty-six thousand one hundred dollars. 
So, Kurt, now when I posted on our Facebook and Twitter uh, Tuesday night that it sold for 86.1, one of the comments, very common people, I think they're just so interested kind of in where it went. I don't know if you're at liberty to say uh, what state or if it was a collector that bought it or. Yeah, we we don't uh, we don't give out their names, uh, you, you know, just to, just for sure. privacy concerns. But uh, but it went to a great father son team uh, that are collectors out in Pennsylvania, and uh, you know I really think it got a good home. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. People get so connected to these stories and these tractors, these historic tractors that. I think it, on the one hand, it just makes them feel good to know where it went. Oh, it went to California or it went to PA. Uh, so that's cool. It went to a great home there. Uh, now, Kurt, I did see that on day two of the sale, yesterday on Jerry Everett's a three-day sale, you sold another 1066, but a pedal tractor. It looked like uh, kind of a make of the five millionth that uh, IH made back in the mid-70s, yeah. a 1066. What would you get out of that one, like 3850? Yeah, 3850 30, for a 1066 pedal tractor. So I think... Uh, you know, I think if I have the occasion to get to Las Vegas, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the roulette wheel and play Pan and sixty six. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, Lady Luck. No, that's that is awesome. That's uh, fantastic. Now, uh, Kurt, I want to talk about a couple different things. We want I want to get into your take on what's happened here with online auctions because this Jerry's three day sale online, and of course, so much of business is online auctions these days. But uh, before I do that, while we're on the topic of record prices, let me just uh, jog your memory. And you you guys, I'm in auctions. I'm in vintage power. You have so many records on these collector tractors. I'll just throw a few out, and you give me your memories, okay? Okay. Okay, first I'm going to take you to Oxford, Kansas, August 17th of 2017. You sold an international 1468 for 52000 bucks. That's the highest I've ever seen. What do you remember about that one? Yep. And and you know it was out there in that in that in that beautiful uh, dry uh, Kansas climate, which preserves tractors so nice. Yep. And uh, and it just it was all original paint, and uh, you know the interior of the cab was like new, and and uh, you mm. know and of course it's it's the V eight, you know it's that that's uh, that's a sexy tractor for an IH guy. And, Right. And, uh, you know, it's probably one of the best original paint low-hour uh, beads around, you know. So that, that, that was an awesome tractor. Yeah, at 52000 you're still 10000 over the next highest 1468 I've ever seen. And I think, I think I looked at my notes. I think that thing, the one you sold, had like only 1,455 hours. Does that sound like it might be right? Uh, that that, that could have been. That could have been. Okay. It, yeah, it, uh, it, it was real low hours. I think you set another record on that same auction, Kurt, with the 3788 International, uh, 1,533 yeah. hours, 28,000 bucks. Do you remember that one? Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. You know, that, that, was, a, that was a great collection in the fact that it, it wasn't a big collection, um, but the, the, the fellas' estate that we were selling for, uh, he really put a lot of effort into finding super clean low-hour original paint tractors. Okay. And, uh, you know, when, you, when you're out looking for those, I mean, they're hard to find. It's hard to find a 2,000-hour or less tractor from the, from the 60s and 70s. And, and uh, right. uh, you know, he just did such a wonderful job doing that, and it sure paid dividends when his collection sold. Yeah, and, and back to the 68, the 1468, these V8s, doesn't it make you wish? We were all smart enough back in the '80s and '90s to buy these things up when they were bringing four, five, six thousand bucks a shot. <laughs> you, you, you know what? I can remember actually selling a farm sale, and there was a fourteen sixty-eight on it. And all this was probably in the late '80s. All the farmers were laughing about who would ever own one of those, and I think it brought four thousand dollars. <laughs> Who's laughing now, right? Wow. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, now this next one, Kurt, this is one of my all-time favorite stories, and there's, I think there might be some legend to it. You'll have to give us the straight scoop, but I'm going to take you to Corcoran, Minnesota, 
June 27th of 2015, so just over five years ago, a farm auction, and on the sale was a John Deere 4000 gas power shift, 1971 model, and of course they only made nine of those. Now it's over $82,500, that's what you sold it for. Uh, you have the record by a mile, but tell me the story about, about when you found that tractor. Well, you've done you've done a good job of research because you've rooted out some of the some of our favorite tractors. So uh, <laughs> uh, that four thousand, um, I went up to see a guy about an auction. Uh, uh, he had one hundred and twenty or one hundred and forty antique tractors. It was an estate, and he had a few of his tractors stored in one of his brother's barns. And so we went there and we looked at three or four tractors that he had in the shed and. You know, out of the corner of my eye, I look over and here's this John Deere 4000 with a you know, loader and a heat houser on it. And uh, and I just made the comment. I said, hey, that's 4000. You know, it's kind of hard to find. And yep. walked around the other side and, I, you know, I realized it's a gas. And I said, wow, gas 4000. Those are really hard to find. And then I uh, hopped up on the platform and saw that it was a power shift. And I told the, you know, I told the guy, I said, oh, my word. I said, this is, a, you know, a 4,000 gas power shift. They only built nine of these. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you want to sell it? And uh, he said, oh, Lord, no, I never sell that tractor. That's my, that's my snow pushing tractor. <laughs> and I said, how would you, I said, how would you like to have a new snow pushing tractor with a cabin heat? <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, he was, uh, he was a little blown away. You know, he said, why? Well, I, I how you know that won't bring that kind of money and i said no nah, i think it will and so i actually had to twist his arm just a little bit to get it on the auction and uh of course uh you know we we, we had the auction and and uh and you you already reported on the selling price of it and uh what was his uh, reaction after, after, uh yeah so his reaction after the sale you know it brings 80 uh what was it 82 five or yep. something like that yeah and uh, so after the auction, I went up to him and I said, hey, what do you think about that 4000 He said, well, I'm a little mad about it. And I said, which caught me off guard, and I said, why are you mad? He said, well, there, there were two of those at the dealership when I bought that one for $7,000, and I didn't buy the other one. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. And, uh, oh. Actually, during the, during the auction process, we did find out that you know the uh, the the, the uh, four thousand gas power shift was a little bit of a morphodite, and yeah. uh, there was a dealer in Minnesota that Deer couldn't sell those tractors or was having a hard time selling those tractors, yeah. and uh, he he bought seven of the nine, oh. took them up there to his store, and put uh, I think it was maybe Quaker loaders on them okay. and heat houses and, and actually sold them for snow, snow removal tractors. Really? And so wow. all seven, seven of the nine went to the same dealership and there's actually a collector in Illinois that's got one that was consecutive serial number to the one that we sold oh, and, and that he had traced it back to that dealership as well. Man. Well, that's like I say, Kurt, that's one of my favorites. Uh, your, your keen eye seeing that and wisely advising your client to, I think you might want to sell this one. That's beautiful. 82.5. Okay. Let me take you now oh, to a couple that, 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 that auction was That auction was in the fall. That auction was in the fall, and he did send me a picture of himself in a, in a heated cab that winter. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we need those heated cabs up here in Minnesota for sure. Okay, now Kurt, let's let's continue on your record uh, tractor price parade here. But I'm going to take you to a couple more recent sales. Uh, one just last month, August 18th, Paris, Illinois. You sold an Oliver 2255 uh, mechanical front with a cat engine, fifty six thousand seven hundred bucks. What do you what do you remember about that one? Yeah, yeah, um, that was uh, that was for the Chester Higginbotham estate, and uh, you know we have uh, the twenty two fifty fives. You know when they're when they're done up really well, uh, we've been had, you know we've been having really good luck with them. Just uh, uh, I think in June we sold a two wheel drive uh, uh, for a pretty hefty price yeah, as well. And, I saw and that. Uh, when that 
yeah, when that front wheel assist came up, you know, it was completely decked out, uh, cab, rear duels, and front duels. Mm. And, I mean, it, it just looked mean. I it mean, it, uh, it made you a little weak in your knees when you looked at that tractor. So, yeah. it, uh, it, it did, it did exceptionally well. We had a lot of interest in it. I think, according to the data I've got at least, that's almost $20,000 over the next highest 2255 ever sold. But again, you're right. The way it looked, it sort of looked like the poster child for the kick-ass muscle tractor. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I I, uh, I told the guy when he had called inquiring about it, I said, if you get in this and drive it, I promise you will howl at the moon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, now we've uh, we got to go back to our John Deere friends here. Another one this year that you sold, Kurt. A very unusual tractor, a little older, 1935 John Deere B four bolt uh, four bolt Garden B. I think it was one of 24 built. You sold this April 14th, Red Cloud, Nebraska. You sold it for 47,250 bucks, highest B that that I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, uh, you know, that was an interesting auction. Uh, we had actually pushed that auction back a month. It was supposed to be in March. And when, when the whole COVID uh, scare came up, right. uh, you know, nobody, nobody really knew or understood how it was going to affect things or what was going to happen. And, and so we actually pushed that auction back a month, you know, thinking COVID would only last a month, <laughs> right. which it didn't. Yeah. Uh, you know, but it was uh, it was a really successful online auction, and that little Garden B uh, was was produced by John Deere. Uh, almost all of them went to California to mm. work in uh, in vegetable patches. Okay. And uh, a real real rare tractor, and uh, like you said, just twenty four of those built, and that was actually, as far as I know. That was probably the only Garden B that had actually come up for public auction in 25 or 30 years. Wow. So they're, they're really, really hard to find. Um, you know, what, what happened in, you know, in early California agriculture, I mean, they were farming big in California before anybody else was in the country. And, mm-hmm. and uh, they would actually, they would use up equipment out there, you know, in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. I mean, just... Uh, I've done several auctions out there, and that's the only place where I've seen in boneyards uh, draw bars that have pulled through. Mm. You know, you see them all the time. I mean, they just they ran the tractors. Their growing season was longer, and and so a lot of the tractors that went out there, uh, you know, they just didn't survive. Right. And uh, and so so that made the garden bees really really super scarce. Now you. Um, and, I did notice on that same sale, Kurt, April fourteenth, you had. Also, a 1924 John Deere D Spoker, 86 one built. You sold that for 45150 I think that's the third highest I've ever seen. And you hold the record, by the way, my friend, at 57.5 back April 21st of 07 in uh, Missouri, a 1924 restored one. But uh, that uh, Spoker D must have been fun to prep for sale back in April, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it was. And, and, you know, the, um, uh, there, there, people have, you know, been thinking and saying that, uh, the unstyled tractors are actually trending down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did for a while. They did for a while. Um, but it, in my opinion, uh, the unstyled tractors are actually trending up now. Mm-hmm. And, and that auction, you know, that was this year that the, the, the the uh, Garden B and the, and the Spoker D, you know, those are both on style tractors. And, yep. and uh, I actually see those tractors trending up now. And what's great about it is it's younger, it's younger guys that are, that are getting interested in those. And, really? and I think, I think, I think when those unstyled tractors trended down, they've got more affordable and it made a good entry point okay. for younger collectors, guys in their twenties and thirties. And, and that's been going on now for five years or maybe even 10. And, and, and they're figuring out what's rare and what's not. And, and they're stepping up and buying some of these, uh, you know, higher level unstyled tractors. So okay. I'm real optimistic about that market. Okay. Well, that's a perfect segue here, Kurt. I definitely wanted to. Get your take on the collector market. I mean, you're right at the top of the heap, folks selling these 
these, these vintage tractors, everything back from the 20s and 30s up into now what we call the new collectors, the muscle tractors. So sitting here as we talk late September of 2020, yeah, I mean, just give me your take on the collector market as a whole. And then maybe by segments, the, the muscle tractors, values, and then again, the kind of the 30s, 40s, what we used to call, you know, just the, the antiques. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of like you, Greg. I'm a data guy. Yep. And, uh, and and I, I like to follow the data because, uh, you know, the, the data always tells the truth and, and gut feelings and rumors don't a lot of times. Yep. And, uh, you know, sometimes, ever since I got into the antique tracker hobby, I've heard people say, oh, where's this hobby going to go? You know, there's no young people in it. And, uh, and I, that is just not what we find by tracking the data. Hmm. Um, the antique tractor market is like the modern equipment market in, in that it ebbs and flows and it, and it moves up and down just like the stock market does. And some things come into favor, some things call, uh, fall out of favor. Uh, but what we see, uh, by, by studying the data, the actual uh, pricing data and the and registrations and activity, uh, I really feel like this hobby is growing. And mm. I, I think right now it's growing by leaps and bounds. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of new people coming into the hobby. I think social media has, has made it more accessible. Um, you know, to, uh, to a lot of younger collectors, uh, you know, I think the, the actual John Deere two cylinder club now maybe has about 14,000 members, but mm-hmm. the two cylinder club of Facebook has almost 150,000. Yeah, exactly. Don't you think too, and like you're just to expound on that, I mean, like YouTube and if you're a young person or even just new getting into collecting the, the amount of information and video out there, to research any model is just so different than it was 20, 30 years ago. It probably is an invitation for more people to get in. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, and it, 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 it makes it so much more accessible. I mean, when I was a, when I was a young guy in uh, my last year of high school, I started an antique tractor magazine called The Belt Pulley, and, and uh, you know, as uh, some of your listeners may not be able to comprehend, but that was before the Internet. <laughs> and when I researched a tractor, I mean, I had to go to libraries and I had to write letters and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, oh my word, it's so much easier now. Uh, there were, you know, there were, there were significant barriers to knowledge of any, of anything, I guess you could say, but tractors in particular, uh, whereas, yeah, now if oh, you're, yeah. you're inquisitive, there's so many avenues to find out, uh, really interesting but okay so kurt what do you think on the you know obviously i led this conversation off we talked about the 1066 international you just sold for eighty six thousand one hundred dollars but these tractors from the late 60s through the 70s even bleeding into the early 80s now what's your take on that market well uh you know collectors collectors collect what they're nostalgic about yep and, 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 you know, so, so now we've got guys and gals in their thirties and forties and fifties that, that remember, uh, you know, growing up and, and they, they were using or their, or their fathers or, or uncles used these, these muscle tractors from the sixties, seventies and early eighties. And so that, that's naturally what they're drawn to. And, uh, and so I, you know, I think that's the, that's a big emerging segment of the market now. And, and of course, there's a lot more to those tractors. So you see them bringing a lot more money mm-hmm. than, than tractors from the 40s and the 50s. Right. Have you run across cases, Kurt, where, a, you know, maybe not quite as an extreme example of like that 1066, but let's say a tractor from the late 60s, early 70s that could be bought by a collector, but is actually the winning bidder is someone who obviously appreciates it, but wants to actually use it. Have you run across that much? Oh yeah, a- absolutely. You know, you, you get into, you get into, uh, some, you know, some, uh, 1456s and, 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 you know, 1950 Olivers and, and 20, even 2255 Olivers, yep. two, two analysis. 
you know, there there have been several instances where you've got a collector uh, bidding against a guy that actually wants to use it in production ag, bidding against a guy who is a collector but also wants to use it in production ag. You know, and uh, and so that, that's that's an interesting uh, you know trifecta when that all comes together. Uh, you know, some of them uh, I, I do find that the guys with the muscle tractors. Uh, there's fewer uh, what I would call trailer queens uh, in that segment of the hobby because they, they actually like to get them out and do something with them. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's I would agree. And, and I'm, like you said, coming at it from a data perspective, I've always been fascinated by that. Um, I, I've commented, I don't know if this would be a toy. I mean, it's as accurate as I can get anecdotally, but approaching 50% of the tractor's you know, from the 70s that could be considered collectors or early 80s, I'm seeing guys buy them that put them in the field. Um, like you say, they just appreciate them. They want to work them. And it's a really interesting uh, trend there. Now, I'm going to ask you, Kurt, to put on your futurist hat for this next question because you've been selling. Okay. You, you, right at the forefront, you're selling collector tractors and farm equipment for, for decades now. And so as farm equipment has changed and got bigger, one question I ask farm audiences now is, do you think folks will feel the same way, have the same affinity down the road for like a modern tractor made in 2019, 2020, as they do for like that 1066 that you just sold? So what, what do you think in 30 well, years? Yeah, so, so I've been, uh, you know, I've, I've been in the hobby for, you know, coming up on 30 years. And, uh, and I've always been, I, I, I grew up on an Oliver farm, so I've, I've always had an affinity for Oliver tractors. And, you know, in my early days of collecting, I, I laughed at the possibility that someone would collect a four digit Oliver, you know, a, a 1655 or a 2255. I, I, I completely thought that was hilarious. That I didn't think that was even a possibility. Right. Well, that's, that's the hottest thing going right now right. In, in, in the Oliver in, in the Oliver lines, you know. So, right. so uh, I, I definitely think I definitely think that um, you know that, that we're gonna we're gonna see that. I mean, uh, people are just drawn to the, the things that they remember, and and you know, uh, Greg, I know most of your uh, most of your uh, listeners can can. Uh, uh, they can go along with this, that, that first brand new tractor that you get in and you take it out in the field and, and, and you drive it, there is some kind of uh, cosmic bond that happens. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you always remember that tractor. You, you remember the, the, the way it feels, the smells, uh, you know, how it drives. And uh, 30 years from now, that, that's the same feelings that make you want it again. Yeah, I, I agree, Kurt. I, as I've been speaking around the last couple of years, I call it the rule of 12. When you're 12 years old, that tractor that's your favorite for whatever reason. And I'm struck too by as I hop around the country, go to sales and stuff and talk to farm folks, a lot of times they the details they remember, like on the day dad bought that Oliver 2255, they'll remember what day of the week it was, if the sun was out, if the wind was blowing. I'm sure you've run into these, been running into these stories for for thirty years too. So the, uh, the the last brand new tractor that my dad bought before he quit farming was a was a two one zero five white, a okay. silver stripe two one zero five white. Yep. And uh, of which of which I'm looking for a real super clean low hour two one zero five white. What I remember about that tractor is falling asleep in it, riding with my dad, and it had a perforated cab interior, and waking up and looking in the mirror, and the pattern of the perforated cab interior was pressed <laughs> into my cheek. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> oh, that know, is awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean that's, that makes me want a 2105 white. <laughs> exactly. Well, hey, folks out there listening, if you got a sharp 2105, you give... Uh, Kurt Amon a call. AmonAuctions.com, AmonVintagePower.com. Uh, now, let's segue Great, again. And, and just, make sure, just make sure they ask for Kurt and not Kelly. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah. We want we want Kurt to write that check and Kelly will find out uh when it shows up and how, how beautiful the tractor is. That's awesome. That's right. That's okay. Right. Well, let's pivot again here, Kurt. Now you mentioned your dad, of course, legend in the auction business, uh Nelson. Uh, and dad, he's still doing well, Kurt. He's is he seventy five or six or seven now? Yep, yep, he is, and uh, still doing well. And uh, you know, he's kind of the epitome of the uh, the old school auctioneer. And and I joked with you earlier that I, you know, this year we're having his eighth annual retirement party. <laughs> uh, you know, he re- re- retires every January for anywhere from ten days to two weeks, and then he's back. <laughs> okay, well, that is awesome. Now, Dad, he started in the auction biz in what you said, sixty two. Uh, 1962, and uh, July of 1962, and ironically, uh, I graduated from auction school, at, from the same auction school in Fort Smith, Arkansas, 20 years to the day in 1980. Oh, 20 years and, uh, to the day. Yeah, I actually attended auction school when I was 12. I always tell people I was like Doogie Howser, but I wasn't smart enough to be a doctor. <laughs> Seriously, you were 12 years old? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that is uh, well. You so I mean, growing up in the auction business, Kurt, what what memories do you have there? Being a little guy and you know, families having sales. Well, my my uh, my first job was uh, carrying clerk sheets back and forth from the truck to the trailer. Sure. And I was paid. Uh, I was paid uh, five cents a sheet. Five cents <laughs> so, a sheet. Uh, nice. Yeah, Very cool. eventually worked my way up to 12 cents a sheet and then thought maybe I better go to auction school if I was <laughs> going to make any more money. 12 cents a sheet, that's awesome. Did you know, I mean, okay, so I get, you know, my dad's a farm equipment dealer. I, I understand, you know, you, you want to be like dad. You, you know what you see. Do you, do you remember just always knowing that you wanted to stay in the auction business, Kurt? Or did it, was there any moment where it hit you or how did, how did that happen? You know, I, I, uh, I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur and, and, and I've always had that. I've always had that, uh, you know, my entire life. And, uh, and the, the auction business is, is presents so many opportunities. Uh, and it's, and it's very entrepreneurial at its root. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I, yeah, it's just, you know, for, for a little while, I, uh, I thought I was going to be an attorney, but, uh, uh, you know, I, uh, uh, I did, uh, I, I used to teach antique appreciation classes for a community college. And, and, uh, mm. when I decided I was going to go take some classes, they, uh, gave me this stack of paperwork to fill out. And I said, well, I didn't have to fill anything out when I taught. And, uh, <laughs> so I, I thought, well, maybe I'll, I'll forego that. So. Wow. Now, Kurt, did, did I see on your auction, auction I'm an auctions.com website, Kind of a bio section there that you wrote two books. Did I? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Actually, I did. So, what, um, tell us about one, the books. One was on uh, one was on uh, farm uh, farm uh, collectibles, tractor collectibles. You know, all okay. the giveaways and the signs and everything that they they used to have the dealerships and and then when I was the uh, when I was a young guy and. Uh, maybe just out of high school, uh, you know, like I say, that was before the internet. Uh, and you know, one of the biggest uh, debacles with antique tractor collectors was trying to figure out what year their tractor was made. Right. And I, uh, I, I compiled uh, serial number lists and, and put those in a all in one book so that, uh, somebody could go to that book and figure out what year their antique tractor was made. So, well, I guarantee you there are still people using those books, or maybe folks had passed on, but their kids find the books, and probably the pages are worn thin. And but uh, no, that's that's awesome. Uh, so now, Kurt, let's let's pivot again a little bit in the auction business. Now, you graciously taking time today to visit with me. You're on your way to St. Joe, Missouri, to have a, an on-site auction, um, and you were telling me. You know, and you do what over 100, 120 some auctions a year. This will only be like the third live one. Yeah, 
Yeah, uh, so, you know, any given year we'll do 120 to 150 auctions, just kind of depends on the year. And, and uh, uh, you know, this year uh, everything has been so topsy-turvy and turned upside down, and we, uh, we, we travel in a lot of states. And, uh, and, and some overseas as well. And, and, you know, all the restrictions and, and regulations going from state to state are all different this year. And, and, uh, this will be the third live auction that I've done this year. So it's, mm. it's been, uh, really, really different for both myself and, and my staff. Mm. So, well, let's walk back to March then when, when COVID's, kind of descended upon us and the rules and regs, the different states, the shutdown. And you're in the auction business. And, oh, my gosh, busiest time of year on the farm side. What was that like? How did that play out from your end? Uh, you know, it, we, were one of the, we were one of the very, very first companies to get into the online mm-hmm. game. And, and that, that would have been like about 1999 or 2000. Back in the AOL so days, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was actually the very first. Uh, most people don't know this, but the very first provider of online auction software was actually Amazon. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I got to be on a conference call with Jeff Bezos before Jeff Bezos was Jeff Bezos. <laughs> wow, that's a pretty uh, good story. Yikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just kind of neat. So I, I've always been, you know, I've always been really, really comfortable with the online auction format uh, because we've done it for so long, and so it, it was probably easier for us to transition over into that than than, than some other companies, just okay. because we, you know, it was it was kind of regular. Mm-hmm. But it was, uh, you know, to, to just flip a switch and move everything. Um, you know, it, it, it has its moments of anxiety, and and you know, you you got to, you got to work sellers through that too because it was brand new to sellers, and and uh, you know, so it's uh, yeah, it changed the world. I you know, I think everything was evolutionizing that direction, mm-hmm. but you know, we had uh, we had three or four years of evolution in three or four months, right. Yeah, we we were chatting before the call started. I I sort of when people ask me how how it's all gone with the online, I'd say, well, imagine you're cooking burgers on your grill and you just take a big old can of Kingston lighter fluid and you just squeeze and hold it, and that's sort of what it's looked like from my seat. But uh, what what was that like coaching sellers to trust the process this year? That hey, it's going to be okay. Uh, did you hit it from a data perspective? Like, look, we're getting all these more registrations. How did that? How did that work? Yeah, yeah, and that, that's that's actually how I approached it from a data data standpoint. And, and, and it, you know, that's something that we've been tracking for years. So, uh, you know, we were lucky. We were in the position that we had the data to talk to the sellers about. You know, and and uh, you know, our, our registrations on an online auction. Uh, you know, have been steadily rising, hmm. and uh, and you know, quite frankly, we get ninety uh, percent of the time we'll have more registered bidders online than we will in a, in a live setting, and more registered bidders usually translates into more bids, and more hmm. bids usually translates into higher prices. Yeah. But uh, you know, but there there were a lot of people in the auction industry that you know they 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 fought it, and uh, I have given several talks within the auction industry on on how to conduct and 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 do online auctions and you know the 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 thing that I, that I always tell them is it's uh you know bid calling is kind of the the romance of the auction industry you know the mm-hmm. the, the auctioneer that has a smooth bid call but I always tell them that you know it's romantic for a cowboy to ride fences on his horse but the simple fact is they all use four wheelers now yeah well, that's a good analogy. And don't, now you mentioned being entrepreneurial, and obviously, like you say, you were one of the first auction companies to lean into online, I mean, over 20 years ago. Incredible. But don't you think we're right on the cusp of even new evolution that, that we can't maybe even can fully consider what, what will be in a few years on, the, on online auctions? Oh, I, 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 I 
absolutely agree with that. There's innovations coming that, you know, most people don't even, it's, it's, it's not even in their thought process. You know, my, my dad, uh, you know, he, he came up in the auction industry in an era where you, you pretty much showed up the day of the auction and, mm-hmm. and you settled up with the seller and you left. And every time we do, he, he was taught the auction business by a guy named Lewis Marley. Mm. And Lewis actually started going to auctions on horseback. Mm. And, uh, you know, he's been in it that long. And every once in a while, we'll do something online. And my dad will say, ooh, listen, never believe this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, one thing I'm intrigued by, Kurt, and our, our followers on social media, TV show, that they know I touched on it a lot. But I'm so intrigued by the seller. And they're, you know, they're talking about what they're selling. So... You take a guy like the sale you just said, Jerry, his three-day Jerry Everett, the legend in the in the equipment business. You know, you mentioned he was at the bowling alley when it was selling online. Uh, I just I wonder what ways we can plug potential buyers into Jerry talking about whether it's that 1066 or his pedal tractor or some literature. Uh, because don't you think, in essence, I mean, you're selling the item. But aren't you kind of selling Jerry as well? Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I'm so glad that you have that insight because that's, you know, that's that's a little piece of insight that, that people gloss over or they don't think of. Um, we have always taken the, uh, the the avenue of, you know, we're, we're selling we're selling somebody's assets, but but we're also selling them and, right. and some, some of those, uh, some people are uncomfortable with that. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I always tell on them, I, I always tell them, I, I appreciate somebody who's humble, but I can brag on you better than you can brag on you. And, and when you deserve <laughs> to be bragged on, you need to let me do it. You know, exactly. And, you know, because it, it just, it, it lends so much credibility. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, what, what, what you're doing with, uh, you know, with modern farm equipment, and I know for a fact that you can tell this, and you can probably expound on this better than I can, but when you've got a, when you've got a seller whose farm is neat as a pen and his, his equipment is neat as a pen, and then when the combine comes in from harvest, it's washed and waxed and greased and serviced, uh, that's, that adds value. Yeah. And that story needs to be told. I used to think back when I when I was first starting, and I'm kind of your vintage, Kurt, been at it 30 years, but I used to do like a 15% markup by the first 45 seconds getting out of the pickup, walking onto the farmyard based on your, yeah, absolutely. your perception. I mean, I just it's weird, but it is what it is. We're humans, which is, you know, that'll never change. I mean, it's, it's just – but then finding ways – I mean – and not everything's a record price or super shiny, but don't you think reality also applies in the other direction? Like if the thing's got issues, don't be afraid as a seller or an auctioneer to say, you know what, this thing, it's got a busted axle or whatever, just call it what it is. And potential buyers, aren't they drawn in by that honesty? You know, we, we, we've actually got a joke uh, in the office because that's what I instill in all the guys that help me. I, you know, you tell the good, the bad and the ugly. Right. And we've actually got a joke. We've actually got a joke within the office, but the more we run something down, the more it brings. <laughs> I see the exact same thing I have for years. It's uh it's fascinating, but, uh, well, I, I had a, uh, we, we, we did an auction for a guy one time and, and, uh, and he was one of the guys that wanted to grab the mic and tell the story on each piece of equipment, you know, as it sold. And, yep. and he had he had he had two red and white dualies, one Chevy and one Ford. The Ford came up first, and and uh, you know he got on there and told how great this truck was and how much it pulled. And when we got to the Chevy, he grabbed the mic and he stood there in silence for a little bit, and then said to the crowd. This has been the biggest lemon I've ever bought in my life, and he gave the mic back. <laughs> and the and the the Chevy outsold the Ford. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's the best example I've ever heard, right there, Kurt. That's fantastic. Okay, now uh, again, folks, you definitely uh, you got to go to almondauctions.com, Almond Vintage Power. Put those in your favorite list on your website, and follow them on social media. Uh, Twitter and Facebook. Now, Kurt, I got to tee you up. You got some 
some sales coming up here uh, right around the the bend. I'll, I'll just rattle through the list, get your thoughts. October 1st and 2nd, uh, Gordon Hart, John Deere Collector Auction, Prairie Grove, Arkansas. What do we got going there? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I'll tell you, what, I'll tell you what Gordon did. Gordon was a really informed collector, a smart collector, and he gathered up so many low-production John Deere's mm. that it's crazy. Um, did not did not do a lot with restoring them. He he was he was gathering them up. He loved the hunt, mm. and uh, so I mean you're you're kind of buying them just right out straight out of the barn, uh, straight out of the swamp in some in some circumstances. Yep. But you know a lot of really low production. He's got a six twenty LP standard, just one of thirty seven built. Wow, wow. And then uh, a couple days later, October 4th, we've got the Fisher Pedal Tractor Collector Auction. That's You're doing that. That's online, right? Out of Nokomis, I guess, your home? Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, you know, I wish uh, I wish all your listeners could have went on that trip with us. That was, uh, we'll be doing several auctions for the for the Fisher family. And, and uh, we went to Ohio and hauled back 800 pedal tractors. Oh, 800 pedal tractors wow and how just in general how is the 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 market for for pedal tractors at auction the last year or so well it you know it follows it follows the equipment market and that it ebbs and flows and some things come in a favor and out of favor and uh you know one one thing that uh mr fisher's got is he's probably got the best custom pedal tractor collection that 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 i've seen and we've sold a lot a lot of pedal tractors but you know he's got crazy stuff with uh you know mounted pickers on it uh he's got a got an eight in ford uh pedal tractor with uh an arps half track and a uh and a, and a heat houser on it I mean, oh. <laughs> that's awesome i got eight hey, again folks i'm i'm vintagepower.com go check that out that's october 4th and 10 days later, Kurt, October 14th, you're up in Michigan for the Herb Jensen uh, auction. What do you, uh, what do we got on yeah. that one? That's, uh, that's one of our MarkNet partners uh, up there that we're doing that auction with. And he's got, he's got a great little short line of, of uh, cock shuts and yeah, Gamble's Farm Crest and a Black Hawk and a few internationals. And uh, that's just a great little online auction. Okay. Then at the end of October, leading right up to Halloween, you've got, is it, I don't know if it's four days or five days, your your fall harvest antique tractor auction. Uh, is this an annual thing you guys have been doing many years, Kurt? Yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, I think actually this is maybe our 30th, 30th year maybe. Wow. Uh, doing that auction. Yeah, doing that auction. And this year it's a little different in that we're not, it's not going to be live this year. We're in the, great state of illinois where they uh have, have us locked down pretty hard for the covid uh, <laughs> yep. stuff so uh but we you know within within the uh, fall harvest auction this year we've got uh you know we've got some we got some great oliver collections uh that, that actually came in there in nokomis um, up in minnesota uh we've got the steve fleece collection uh, and it's nearly all muscle tractors uh, out there, and he, he's got he's got a great yes. bunch of stuff. Uh, yes. Uh, we've got the Ken, Kindlesberger collection uh, just outside of Davenport, and that he's got a thirty series John Deere collection with a six thirty high crop and a seven thirty high crop, and you know a bunch of good low production stuff. Yeah, that, and Steve Fleece, I got to throw in a, a word for him. He's a good one of my buddies, a great guy. That's October twenty seventh, Plainview, Minnesota. Uh, you won't find a better dude than Steve uh, Fleece. Great, great. Yeah, <laughs> Steve's actually Steve's actually an auctioneer. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah, and he is uh, he is a swell, swell fella. I mean, he's he, he, uh, he's been so hospital hospitable to my crew that I, I warned him the other day that if he keeps feeding them, they're not going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> that that sounds like Steve. He's awesome. Awesome guy. Now, one other thing I saw on your website, Kurt, for a sale dripping out into November, I think it's the 3rd or the 5th, it's uh, Hayes Vintage Tractor and collect, Collector Auction, uh, Maquoketa, Iowa, and there's a custom miniature IH2 plus 2 3488 on that sale. That's like one of the coolest little things I've seen in a long time. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually think you could put about a forty-eight inch more deck under that and be the coolest cat. <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, folks, again, almondvintagepower.com and almondauctions.com. Check them out. Kurt, uh, gosh, it's been fun to rattle through things. I'll just leave you. I'll, I'll tee you up for one last question here. So you've spent a lifetime, literally, in the auction business and getting out of bed every morning. I mean, tell me what excites you for the future of the industry and also – And then tell me what advice you would give to a young person, guy or gal, that's thinking, I wonder, I think I want to get into the auction biz. But uh, answer those two questions for me, buddy. Well, uh, you know, I mean, I think the, I think the future is, is extremely bright. Um, I'm kind of a change agent guy. I I, I like change. Uh, Sometimes I have to keep myself from changing just for the second sake of change it mm-hmm. so you know as all the innovations are rolling out and and you know the the, the the landscape changes that that excites me because uh you know that that creates opportunity um you know and as far as you know somebody young getting into the business um you know i i i've won big calling contests so i mean i'm very comfortable behind the microphone mm-hmm. But that is such a small part of the auction business. And I think uh, when somebody's getting into the business, they, there's so much focus put on bid calling. And, and that is just, that is such a small part of, mm. of running an auction business. You know, uh, the, the ability to recognize and, and, and book a good deal and, and, you know, keep your seller's expectations in line and, and adapting to all the changes, uh, you know, that's that's the most important part. So Interesting. Kurt, that might be book number three for you, my friend, uh, leaning into change in the auction business. How about that? <laughs> okay. That's uh, only, if you'll, only, if you'll, only if you'll help me write it. Oh, uh, well, hey, folks, if you've never had a chance to hear Kurt speak, uh, if you ever get a chance, you have to do it. Kurt was the uh, kind of the MC at the the first ever uh, gather. No, the um, oh, see, I'm getting old now. I forget. We were in Nebraska last summer, Kurt. The John Deere oh, the event. Classic Green. Classic, classic green. green, right? And uh, you had him rolling in the aisles, my friend, just telling stories and anecdotes and bits of truth. But I really enjoyed our conversation, Kurt. Thank you so much for taking time. I know how busy you are, but. Uh, Well, I hope your sale in St. Joe goes well and all these other great sales coming up. And again, folks, check out almondauctions.com and almondvintagepower.com. And Kurt, thank you so much for the for your time and the conversation. Yeah, no problem. Well, folks, I tell you what, I could talk to my friend Kurt Almond all day. It's so much fun. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. I, I think you can tell the passion uh, that Kurt brings to both the auction industry and the, you know, just people in rural America that uh, he's been dealing with and his family going back to 1962 when his dad, Nelson, um, and, uh, got into the auction business. And how fun to talk about those tractors that Kurt sold. I mean, that 1066 that he sold for 86100 bucks last week, the previous high I'd ever seen on a 1066 was 46000 and that was just last month on that August uh, 14th auction in Hardington, Nebraska, for 1066 for only 794 hours, but 86 one for the first one made. So cool. And uh, those other tractors, the 1468, the John Deere 4000 gas power shift that Kurt sold for 82.5 up here in Minnesota, the Oliver 2255 at 56.7 uh, earlier this year in Paris, Illinois, that uh, rare John Deere B. So much fun to talk about those tractors. And again, just hope you enjoyed the conversation, folks. Uh, now, if I could ask a favor, again, I, I so appreciate you folks taking time to listen to the Machinery Pete podcast. If you could go out and uh, subscribe, wherever you listen to your podcast, subscribe to the Machinery Pete podcast. Give us a like, give us a rating. That helps more folks find the podcast. And we really, you know, for young people who maybe have an interest in farming and agriculture and vintage tractors, just like Kurt was saying, the entryway to collecting, the entryway is open, but we need more young people to find out about conversations like this. So give us a like and a rating there. We appreciate that. And uh, 
Again, tune in next time, folks. We'll have another fun conversation here on the Machine Repeat Podcast. And until then, I will see you out at the sales, and I'll just leave you with my one thought again that, uh, hey, no matter how tough any day might be, just remember, every day is a gift and a blessing.